Hello and welcome to the Locked On Leafs podcast, your one-stop shop for all things Leafs. I'm your host, Mike DiStefano from TSN 1050 Toronto Radio. You can find me on Twitter at Mickey underscore Canuck. Also find the show on Twitter at Locked On Leafs, where we tweet out some polls, some interesting news, tidbits, tweet during the game, all that good stuff. And most importantly, we tweet out the podcast episode each and every day. And just if you are wondering, this is your first time here at the podcast listening, uh, you can go and check it out wherever you get your podcast from Stitcher, iTunes, Google Play, wherever you get it, Podbean, you'll find it. Uh, So the Leafs last night with a bad beat to the San Jose Sharks, the lowly San Jose Sharks, uh, 5-2 loss to the Sharks, a pretty Pretty crappy start to the road trip, to be quite honest with you. Uh, putting a halt to their three-game winning streak. They had played really well the three games before in Tampa, Florida, Vancouver. And then we're thinking, all right, now they got a nice three-game swing out here in California. Let's try and, and get themselves a, a solid, solid uh, streak going that can kind of give them a nice cushion into the playoffs. Uh, and that kind of got bombarded on night one uh, once they lost to San Jose. So we're going to chat about that game, do the good, the bad, the ugly, and then I'll, I'll you know, some more observations throughout the game. But then something else I'm going to talk about a little bit later in this podcast, the NHL GM meetings were underway uh, to this whole week, I guess, down in Florida. And there were a few things that I want to talk about. Uh, so we'll get to that a little bit later in this podcast. But uh, let's get to the good, the bad, the ugly from last night. Uh, There was really only one good, I would say, Uh, maybe two. So kind of the whole Matthews line, I would say, they they played really well. You know, Austin Matthews, uh, he is really rounding into one of the most elite two-way players in the game. Uh, Mitchell Marner, uh, he finally got, uh, got himself a goal after kind of He's been on a bit of a drought. He's got like two goals in his in the last twenty games before that. And I was on overdrive yesterday as well. And and one of the over unders was whether or not he was going to score. Uh, it was point five goals on this California road trip. But I said, you know what? Over. I think Marner's been playing fine as of late. He's not finding the back net himself, but Hyman is and Matthews is. And one of these days. Marner was going to do it, and he did it last night uh, on a beautiful, beautiful goal. Uh, took a feed from Mar- from Matthews. It was kind of a give and go. And then Marner, I don't know how he did it against Brett Burns, but ended up kind of spinning him around, putting the puck through his legs and uh, up over the goaltender. And uh, at the time, that was that was a big goal for for the Leafs. But uh, obviously. They kind of floundered, and everything else was bad after that. Um, the second period, uh, I didn't like it. I thought that they really got shelled quite a bit by the San Jose Sharks. Um, if it wasn't for Jack Campbell, honestly, you know, it, this could have been a lot worse than 5 2. Like, Campbell made many, many key, key saves against uh, against the Sharks last night. So he was probably also, uh, along with the the Matthews, Marner, Hyman line, I would say Jack Campbell had a good game. Everybody else I could probably put in the bad category, to be quite honest with you. And just such a, a disappointing start to the road trip after, you know, putting together some complete performances over the last week to come out and play down to your opponent again like San Jose was honestly just really upsetting to watch uh, as uh, as I watched the the, the Leafs kind of give away another two points against a, a, a lesser team. Um, ugly, uh, I hate to say it, but John Tavares had an ugly, ugly game. Uh, one of the worst that he's had all year long. 
Um, just wasn't his night. You know, sometimes you just kind of got to burn the tape. I think that's one where Tavares is just going to kind of burn the tape. And uh, so that's that's something that he's going to have to uh, he's going to have to answer the bell for the rest of the road trip, especially in L.A. and, and have a good bounce back performance because. Boy, Johnny T, uh, you know, you need your captain to really come through, and he did not at all against San Jose. Um, so that's um, – I gave John Tavares my ugly for his poor performance. All right, uh, so we're going to take a quick break, actually, and then we'll get more into this game on the other side. And uh, so we'll we'll take a quick break and then get into it in a bit, in a sec. All right, welcome back to the Locked On Leafs podcast, your one-stop shop for all things Leafs. Mike DiStefano still with you here uh, chatting about the Leafs' 5-2 loss to the San Jose Sharks. Uh, So we kind of already discussed kind of the highlight of the night, and that was Mitch Marner's unreal goal between the legs. Um, But other than that, honestly, it was just Campbell. Campbell was, you know, he kept the team in the game. They were getting pulverized in the second period um and and he really kept them in the game as much as possible you know uh he made an unbelievable stop on on Evander Kane on that wraparound that being said I thought Evander Kane had an unbelievable game for the Sharks he was a monster the whole game a puck hound it seemed like every time I looked like if, if it wasn't the Leafs with the puck in the third period it was Evander Kane. Evander Kane had the puck the entire third period, pretty much, uh, when it wasn't on, on you know, when the Sharks had possession. Uh, and he ended up scoring a couple of goals, too. So really big game out of, out of Evander Kane. But wasn't able to get the hat trick because Campbell made a monstrous stop with his glove, just kind of reaching back on a wraparound and got a, got a piece of it and was able to hang on. Um, and at the, that was a, a key moment in that game, too, because if they would have scored then they would have had the lead, and, uh, well, we saw what happened anyways once they gave up the lead, so I guess it didn't really matter because it's not like Toronto used it to to their advantage to go out and, and regain the lead themselves. But that being said, you know, it was a lot better going into the third period tied at two as opposed to being down 3-2. Um, but just kind of actually going off that point, this is another game where the Leafs have been tied going into the third period, tied in the third period, and coming away with zero points. It's like eight eight or nine games now this season where they've been tied in the third period and haven't been able to come away with points. Like This happened a couple weeks ago in Buffalo, which kind of started the spiral, spiraling week that was a couple weeks back when they lost to Buffalo. They were tied at two, and then early on they scored two goals within within uh, within a minute of each other, I'm pretty sure. It was like three goals in three minutes, and just like that, they were down 5-2, and, and that's how it ended. Very similar to last night. You know, last night the... The the Sharks end up scoring two goals in 50 seconds, and the Leafs just couldn't recover. And that's kind of what it was all about. Um, just unable to recover. And, you know, let's give some credit to, to Martin Jones, too, because in that third period, Martin Jones, he, he turned into Marty Berdur. Like, let's be real. He made a couple of big, big stops. Uh, a couple of really lucky ones, too, where you got some really good bounces, uh, like that one Marner ended up going off the, the side of his stick, side of the paddle, and ended up 
somehow staying out of the net. Um, but, you know, Martin Jones, he has really been picking it up lately. He had a shutout against Pittsburgh the other night, got a win against the Leafs t- last night. So, you know, Marty Jones, he's picking it up for that team. And consider that they don't have a first-round pick, you have to assume that they want to try and win as many games as they can so that they're not giving up solid picks to Ottawa. And so they're going to go out, and they're still going to give it their all. You know, they're a little bit healthier now. Logan Couture is back out there, uh, which means that's going to enhance Timo Meyer's game. That's going to enhance Evander Kane's game. You know, just the, the whole team is going to be better when you got Couture out there. Um, so uh, this this team, they're not bad. We saw last night, actually, the San Jose Sharks. They did not look like a bad team. They look like a pretty good, solid team that we have been accustomed to seeing and it just, I, I, you know, I'm not gonna lie. I haven't seen many Sharks games. They're on the West Coast. I don't get, I don't really stay up till one o'clock in the morning to watch the Sharks, unless you know they're playing a, a really good matchup or a team that I'm, I want to see, or if they're on the East Coast and I watch them in a game. But other than that, I haven't seen them play a lot. I just know that they have had a really, really rough go, both with injuries, but also inconsistencies, players not playing up to their, up to their strengths, and also the fact that their goaltending has been abysmal all season long. But a lot of that starting to turn around for them and I mean it's a little too late for them to make a playoff push obviously but uh, you know they don't have a pick so they're going to try and get as many wins as they can and that's why I think Toronto going into this game maybe they looked at the they instead of looking at the team and they kind of looked at the standings and they looked at their record and said all right, this is an easy easy win easy two points I'm not going to lie I also kind of had that thought like, I, I thought San Jose was going to be a win. And then the, the only team that I think has been uh, picking it up as of late was L.A. And I thought maybe L.A. would be the, the team on this road trip that was going to give you a little bit of trouble. And if not L.A., then maybe night two of the back-to-back against the Ducks because the Ducks did beat Toronto earlier this season. No, they came back. Sorry, they didn't, they didn't win. But they came back, forced overtime, and then Tavares ended up actually ending that game in overtime. That was Jack Campbell's first game as a Leaf, now that I recall. And I think he's going to get that game again because uh, uh, today Keefe came out and said that Anderson's going to start the game against the Kings, which a little surprising to me. Uh, so this just what he's done with the goalies on this trip as a as a whole has really confused me. Like last night, don't get me wrong, I thought Jack Campbell played great last night. I don't think Freddie Anderson would have made that big of a difference last night in that game. Like I I think that just the Leafs, they didn't play well in front of him, and and Freddie Anderson hasn't really shown us as of late that he's able to win games. He hasn't been able to bail out the poor defense in front of him. He's kind of crumbled along with the rest of the team. Um, At least Jack Campbell gave them a pretty good shot through the first 40 minutes, and then, you know, just a bad 50 seconds allowed a a, a kind of a a bad goal as well. That fourth one, you know, he kind of want back. But, um, But the fact that we're this deep into a season. We're in the middle of a playoff run, and he's kind of messing around with with the goalie schedule. I don't know if this was intentionally done because they, they like even long ago when the sports science people department for the Leafs are setting out the schedule. Maybe the whole intentions was to to only have him play to have Frey Anderson play one game regardless, even if Hutchinson was here, I find that hard to believe, but it's possible. 
Uh, but regardless, you know, you are in a playoff push right now. It is you and Florida, and now you're also kind of you got to deal with these wild card teams as well in the Metro Division. Like th- there's a lot of teams now that you're kind of battling with, and you y- just rolling the dice by 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 kind of screwing up the goaltending is a little odd to me. And now I got up against the LA Kings, you're going to roll with Freddie Anderson where. You kind of assumed that that would have been a revenge game for Jack Campbell, and that would have been just, there you go. You know, you you have a back-to-back. You have a California road trip. You have a back-to-back Thursday, Friday. Thursday's against the L.A. Kings. You start Campbell. Friday's against the Anaheim Ducks. You're going to go with uh, Freddie Anderson. And then Tuesday, I would have went with Anderson because he's riding a three-game winning streak. He's played really well. So why not give him another go, play him against the Sharks, and then he gets to play two out of three. But instead, they wanted to give Campbell out of three. All right, sure. So then give Campbell two straight games and then allow him to get, you know, give Freddie that extra rest if you wanted to do that. Now I'm not quite sure what the point is if you're going to, you know, mix it up where you have Anderson playing on the Thursday and then you're going to give Jack Campbell the the Friday game and, and game two of a back-to-back and not play him against his former team. It just doesn't make much more sense to me anymore. I, 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 don't, I don't know if going into it, that was the plan all along and it just wasn't spoke about publicly. But like I said, if it were me, I would have went Freddie, Campbell, Freddie. If you really wanted to give Campbell two games out of this three-game road trip, then go Campbell, Campbell, Freddie. And then really give Freddie a nice rest, give him a chance to recharge, refresh himself. Because now I don't, I just, I don't see the point in putting him in on Thursday as opposed to Friday. I don't know. It's just really strange what they did. But again, I don't think whoever the goalie was last night, they probably would have lost that game, just because Toronto didn't play well. You know, the Leafs did not play well in that game. They played better in the third period when they were down by two. And at that point, the game was already squared up and gone. But then, you know, Marty Jones turns into Marty Brodeur and, you know, the rest is history. And it seems like that's becoming, like that happens a lot for the Leafs. I don't know, is it just me or do the Leafs seem to be turning, running into hot goaltenders all the time? Like Sergei Bobrovsky a couple weeks ago in Florida He's been he was awful, and then he goes out and he has an unbelievable game, and Florida ends up beating Toronto two one. Ran into the hot goalie last night, Martin Jones. Granted, he did shut out the Penguins a couple of nights earlier, but still, he's been trash all year long. He's been terrible for a couple of years now, really since they made their cup run. He's been he's been awful, and then he goes out and looks like a Vesna goaltender last night, especially in the third period when. You know, holding down a two-goal lead, he looked pretty good. But it just seems like the Leafs seem to be getting that type of bad luck where they're running into really, really good goaltenders. You know, Corey Crawford, he stands on his head when he plays them. Alexander Georgiev always plays lights out against the Leafs. I don't know why, but he does. The Sens always seem to play well against the Leafs. You know, whether it's Craig Anderson 
or or Anders Nielsen. Hogberg played pretty well last time they played. Didn't get the win. The Leafs end up winning the game, but still played pretty well. It just seems like it's it's happening a lot. There's nothing you can do about it. You just have to hope you can find ways to beat these goalies. I don't know what it is, why they feel like they want to try and play as best as they can against the Leafs, but it just seems to be happening a little more frequently than I would like, to be quite honest with you. Uh, but all right, let's put this game in the books. They lost the first of this three-game California road trip. They got another one coming up on Thursday. We're not going to chat about that in this podcast. We'll do another podcast tomorrow, teeing that game up. Um, But they let two points slip yesterday. I believe in order for this to be a successful road trip, they got to capitalize on this back-to-back and get all all four points. All four. You got to get four, which means you got to win the next two. I don't care if you do it in regulation, if you do it in shootout, do it in in overtime. You just got to win them. You got to get these four points. They're crucial. Because it doesn't matter if you're giving points to teams in the West. Who cares? Those can be three-point games all day long. As long as you're getting the two points out of the three. But, uh, yeah, coming up on the other side, uh, like I spoke about earlier, the NHL GM meetings uh, have finished up. And there's some news coming out of it, cap projections, a couple of new rules, new pucks being implemented. That is a strange thing to me, which I will talk about next. All right, welcome back to the Lockdown Leafs podcast. Mike DiStefano with you. So the NHL GM meetings are now in the books. Uh, A few things to talk about. First and foremost, so this kind of came up yesterday, uh, so the NHL implementing a these new pucks, these these player tracking, puck tracking software, and I guess there's a little chip that they're inserting into these new pucks that they're developing that's going to be able to track the puck so that, A, I think they uh, you saw this happen in the, I want to say it was in the women's game, actually, at the All-Star, at the All-Star game, where you could literally see the puck and the way, like, where it's traveling to. It kind of... They actually show this in in the video game where you can see they have puck tracking in in EA Sports NHL video games where you can turn on your setting for puck tracking and you can literally see where the puck is going. There's kind of a a line that follows the puck. And it's supposed to, I guess, for people who aren't, um, people who are new to the sport, uh, kind of train your eye as to where the puck is going, where it's going to be. uh, For those who, you know, apparently... I mean, I've never had this problem, but I've also been watching hockey my whole life, love the sport. But I guess it could be an issue for people who are new to the sport where this little tiny black puck on the screen just isn't really visible for a lot of people. So they want to implement this tracking system, which whatever, I I, I guess if you want to have that you could do it. I guess it's reminiscent to in the 90s when I believe it was what NBC in the States. They had like the puck was was glowing like a bluey type color, if I'm not mistaken. So I guess it's kind of similar. They've done some some things that are kind of like this, but this is going to be new. But here's the issue that I have with it. Two issues, actually. One, um, so apparently Sidney Crosby was given one of these pucks. Also, I should note that apparently through seven or eight or 20, 24 games, 
24 games randomly throughout the NHL season, they actually have been placing these pucks into games without, I don't know if they didn't tell fans or they didn't tell the teams either. I want to, I think the teams did know about it, which would make sense, um, but they haven't quite canvassed them and asked them what, what their thoughts are on the pucks. But um, apparently Sidney Crosby said that he has, he, he touched these new pucks and he said that the, the crews are a little bit different and the weight's a little bit different. So you're literally messing with the way that the puck is created. You're messing with the with the puck itself. Now, I don't know how different it really can make things, but I can tell you that in baseball, when they changed the way that the, the new balls were made, the, the new gripping on the new baseballs in, in the MLB, it really, really, really ticked off a lot of the pitchers because it ended up resulting in an increase in home runs. So I don't know if it's going to have that big of an effect in the NHL, but if there's a weight difference and if there's, you know, kind of a uh, um, a molding difference in the way that it's shaped at all that changes the style of the way that it glides through the ice or, or you know, the amount of force that you have to put on a puck or the amount of lightness now that you'd have to put on the puck. I don't know if it changes that. Now, the reason why I told you earlier that it had been implemented in 24 games is maybe because they wanted to do that to see if anybody would notice. And if it changed the way the game was played, that data and information hasn't yet been released to the public. So I I can't tell you what the players have found out or what these games have, if there was any type of, um, any type of difference, but I'm going to have to assume that there really wasn't much because although you're, you know, messing with the integrity of the puck, uh, they're deciding to, starting in the playoffs, implement this new puck. So I would assume that if there was issues, people would have came out and said, no, we don't want it, we don't like it. Like the NHLPA probably would have had to approve this. And they probably said, yeah, no, all right, cool, that's fine. Uh, (laughs) But I just don't understand why, and this is my biggest flaw about implementing the puck in the playoff. Like, why would you choose the playoffs? The timing is weird. The timing is terrible. Like, you're going to change pucks, which might be a way, a little bit a difference in weight, which might be a little bit in, in the way that it's manufactured. Like, there's just, there's might be subtle differences that could honestly change things, and you're going to do it at the most important time of the season? Why not wait until the preseason? Implement it there or start off by putting these pucks in the OHL. And then in three years, when all these OHL players are making their way to the NHL, they're used to the puck. And then you implement it then. Like, I feel like this isn't something that they should just bang. Let's start it now. I get that they want to get ahead of the times with this technology that they have, and they have the ability now to put this technology inside the puck so they could track it, they could track the players, they could track the you know how hard you can shoot it, how far the puck can can travel, all this that they have in all other sports. You know, Statcast is huge in baseball. You know, analytics in basketball is huge now as well, and hockey. They're now starting to implement this stuff into the NHL. But challenging the integrity of the puck, I think, is is a weird way of going about it. And doing it, starting it in the playoffs, 
of all times, that's what's just the most bizarre part of this. Like, honestly, why wouldn't you start it in the preseason where games don't matter? You're going to do it when games matter most? It doesn't make any sense to me. It's so dumb. (laughs) So dumb. Anyways, I digress. A couple other things that came up at the NHL GM meetings. I guess the offside rule is also going to be amended. So in the past, uh, you had to have your skate down on the ground, uh, touching the ice in order to uh, negate an offside call. Now, as long as your body part is hovering above the, the, the offside line, whether your skate is grazing the ice or not, as long as you are onside and you are over that line or not over that line, um, you have a p- part of your body that's still not over, you will be considered onside. And I guess it came out that 14 goals were taken away this year because of this this dumb rule where... They were on side, but their skate was just an inch or two off up up um, up in the air. And if their skate literally would have been an inch lower and touching the ice, there would have been 14 extra goals this season. And who knows how how important those all those goals were? Like some of them could have been overtime winners. Some of them could have been game tying goals. Some of them could have been you know, monumental career goals. So I I do like the facts, you know, obviously everybody wants scoring, you want scoring up. So this doesn't really change much, but uh, if it adds, you know, another 15, 16, 17 goals throughout the season, you're not really going to notice it, but it takes away that, that uh, the question of, well, is his skate, touching the surface or is it in the air you know it can't you can't really tell and then sometimes you get a ticky tacky call uh that are called back and then it shouldn't have been and now you're not going to have much of that as an issue as long as you see your body part is still not quite fully over the blue line the goal is going to count and i think that's great uh one other thing that was talked about, the cap projection has been released. It'll be projected between 84 and $88.2 million. Uh, now, due to escrow, many believe that the NHLPA will not enact the full 5% escalator, so they don't expect it to go up into the $88 million uh, range. In fact, it'll probably hover closer to the $84, $85 million range. But that still would give the lease an additional $3, 4000000 million to make a signing. So, to give yourself an extra, a nice three, four million dollar uh, jump in cap is going to be beneficial for this team going forward in the future. And there was another proposition too about a potential. I guess they were discussing this at least a multi-year fixed cap. So it'll be something along the lines of, okay, we're going to have a cap at ninety million dollars for the next three years. And I guess some GMs were kind of in favor of it because it would allow you to plan because you not only know what it's going to be next season, but the season after that and the season after that. So, for example, you know, this year, a lot of GMs are kind of, they're being cautious because last year the projections came in around $85 million then it ended up, or $80, $84 million or something like that, and ended up coming in like $2.5 million lower than the projection. And all of a sudden, a lot of teams kind of had their hands tied in the offseason, and they, A, couldn't make trades. They couldn't make uh, major signings. It was a big reason why I think a lot of these RFAs went uh, pretty late into the summer, just having to kind of move around some some pieces. Uh, so 
I think um, a fixed cap for multi-years would kind of help with that. I, I just, I, I don't know how that would work because I know in a few years that the TV deals are going to be coming up um, and that should be a major source of, of cash influx into the league. So if you already have this multi-year cap that's kind of set in stone and maybe this they would only have this cap up until that year and then have it expire, I suppose, that's that has potential. Uh, but, like, what if, you know, the one year... Uh, they enact the, the three years from there, and it's $90 million, but then uh, they get a huge, huge deal, um, TV deal, and then all of a sudden the league is making so much more money because of this already previously agreed-on fixed cap from numbers that they were using two years ago. That's my only concern with this because I'm all about having the players making as much money as possible. And, you know, maybe with this fixed cap, that could be a a thing. But at the same time, there are going to be some problems with it. So it's going to have to be discussed a little more. Um, uh, Pierre Lebrun was the guy who who brought it up, uh, TSN Insider. And he did say that it's still a couple of years away from potentially being uh, implemented. So... You know that's that's just something new and something different that I that I thought was interesting that I picked up from the GM meetings too. So, uh, but yeah, from you know new pucks to this offside rule to the new cap projections, a lot of news coming out of the NHL GM meetings uh, this week in Florida. Uh, all right, that's gonna do it for us here today on the podcast. I'd like to thank you for listening and supporting the show. You can subscribe to the Locked Out These podcasts on all podcasting platforms and receive daily Leafs content. You can follow the show on Twitter at Lockdown Leafs. Follow myself at Mickey Un- score Canuck and uh, be sure to check back in here tomorrow and I'll be teeing up the game against the LA Kings but until then keep it locked right here on Lockdown Leafs